To stay in shape, you have to hit the pavement. You have to put in some hard work and sweat along the way. Many of the same principles apply when it comes to money. Let's whip that portfolio into shape. It's time for Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in to another edition of the podcast. It's Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith, and it's time to talk about risk-taking. This is our uh, early July podcast, so hopefully everybody had a fantastic 4th of July weekend and enjoyed themselves, still has all their fingers and toes and didn't get too sunburned and all that good stuff. And maybe you took some risks over the holiday weekend, but we're talking about this from a financial standpoint. You know, is your feelings about risk, do they match your actual financial portfolio? Many of us have found, Kyle, over the last five, six months of this year of 2022, that they do not match, right? So everybody was feeling pretty fine with risk in 20 and 21, 19 when it comes to the stock market. But here in 2022, Eh, maybe that's a little out of whack, right? So we're going to talk about a few things to consider um, into where your you know risk could be out of uh, balance. How you doing, my friend? Did you have a good Fourth of July? Doing well. Yep, we had a good time. Stayed around here, saw some friends and family, and uh, enjoy the pool. Had had fun with the kiddos. Oh yeah, definitely utilize the pool. That's right. That's right. So uh, at the time we're doing this podcast, you know, Janet Yellen's come out and said that a recession is not inevitable, right? Uh, so, you know, there's, we've had this, the Fed tick up uh, earlier in the middle of June, they went up 0.75 uh, basis points, which is was the highest, I think, in like three decades. There's a lot of things happening that are getting people a little bit more worried about risk. So let's go through and discuss this conversation and we'll explore some of these um, and let you kind of uh, break it down a little bit for us. I know you can't give me an accurate number, Kyle, but just roughly, you know, what percentage of your clients when they were first coming in, I guess they weren't clients yet, right? Okay, so potential clients uh, would consider themselves to be comfortable with risk. They come in and they say, yeah, I'm good with risk. And then others that would come in and say, you know, I'm terrified of risk. When you see people for the first time, how does that split? Kind of 50-50 or does it lean one way or the other? I would say more, like at least the people that I work with in general, mm-hmm. they're comfortable with a, with risk to a certain degree of understanding like the risk return and like set out like laying down the expectations of like what can you expect if you are here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so as a percentage i mean i would say between 60 and 75 percent are comfortable understanding like there's risk associated with their okay. investment accounts that could drop 5 10 15 20 right. 25 percent Okay. Well, that's good. Actually, time. Yeah. That's fantastic. Then a lot of times people are not, they're not matching. So when you sit down with a, a client, potential client for the very first time and you're, or you know, the second meeting or whatever, and you're going through their portfolio, how often does their risk level that the portfolio is carrying match what they feel about it? I, I, many advisors I talk to say the person will be like, you know, I'm really worried about risk. I don't, I, I my portfolio has very low risk in it. Uh, which is where I want to stay. And often they'll go dissecting that portfolio and find out that it is the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's definitely some fear, fear-based investors who only look at the risk or the downside, but not the upside and like the long-term play. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're talking about risk, it's always, what do we need your money to return long-term to hit your goals? what comes with the, what's the risk associated with that? Mm-hmm. That's yes. kind of where the conversation has to start. But as far as like, where does someone's portfolio, like when I first meet them, typically it's all over the place. Like they tell me they're 
moderate, but they're not moderate. They're more moderately aggressive or it's usually like vice versa. Like, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So somebody says, yeah, I don't want any risk. And you dissect it. It's like, you got a ton of risk in here. Or there's people like, Hey, I want no bonds in my accounts, which is fine, but, but they don't understand like the risk associated with like not having any bond holdings. Okay. You have all equity holdings. Yeah. So yeah, I would say matching wise, very rarely does it match unless you have a more of a, you might have some people like with their 401ks or, Hey, I'm moderate. So they have those like target date funds, which right. kind of helps what helps match up. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to talk about this, but I, I, I'm just not a big fan of using the word like conservative, moderate. Well, it's very because, vague, right? Because in today, today, it, that means nothing to me. Like I can ask one moderate investor to another moderate investor. What they think it is, is completely different. Yeah. So I would rather not like push someone into a, a moderate portfolio or something like that, but they're not, that's not really what they are. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, you mentioned the target date funds. So, you know, how can we find out what kind of how much risk we're actually taking? How can we tell? And many people get into a target date fund because they, it's easy, right? And they, they hear, we've all heard that they, they scale back the risk as we get closer. So let's just say you're in a 2025 fund because that's just a couple of years away. So you're thinking by now in 2022, it's like risk is really low, but there's a bit of a misnomer out there where people think, okay, well, if it's only a couple of years away, I'm probably like, you know, uh, you know, way down at 20 or 30% risk, but most of them actually bottom out at about a 60-40, sometimes 50-50, but some, most of them kind of go down to a 60-40 split where 60% is still in uh, equities or still in the stock market. Yeah. what I would ask someone, what is risk? What type of risk? Because there's more, there's more than just like the risk of you losing money short term. Right? Well, I think there's that's what most people are afraid of though, obviously. Interest rate saying. risk, yeah. right? There's purchasing power risk. So, I mean... Do you have risk associated in CDs? No, you can't technically lose dollar value, but there's you're a not lot making of, anything, right? You know, there's a lot of risk in a CD that's not tied to your dollars. Yeah. So again, what type of risk are you comfortable taking on and giving up? Because mm-hmm. like in those, I mean, the, the the more you've been moving the bonds, you have interest rate risk, you have purchasing power risk. Now your overall risk of losing money short term is not what it would be, but understanding what does risk actually mean and what are what are different types of risk i think it's important for an investor to comprehend especially when now when we have interest rates rising mm-hmm, right true. yep and all these conservative investors who thought like more money in bonds meant like you won't feel the blunt of the market when it's crashing down but you know bond markets are down 10 plus percent this year because of rising interest rates so that's, good that's point. you know what is risk? <laughs> right. The and then there's the longevity risk, right? All those other ones you mentioned, which is a, just a big multiplier of the ones you just mentioned because we're living longer. So you got to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. That's a great point. Yeah. So a lot of times it can get out of whack. Why do you think so many of us are out of whack? Is so to, I guess, so to speak, if you're thinking about it with what we do, is it just the tried and truism of go to work, pump money into a 401k and call it a day? I think it's more of like a, a momentum deal. Like they put their money in what's working at the time. And if something changes, then they'll, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of people who are like park and pray investors where they just invest in the funds. <laughs> I hadn't and like heard that. Just, I like that park and pray. Okay. And, and just like really never look at it, but you know, it's just more of a time deal and understanding that you can't make ed- investment decisions based upon historical average returns of what the funds have done. Mm-hmm. 
because that's kind of misleading. Like I would never say, Hey, let's put my money. Let's put 30% in this fund because the last five years it's had the highest average return versus this fund. Like very rarely does something back to back have the highest returns. And so I think it's just misaligned. Plus typically it's, I'm, and I'm specifically talking about like 401k investors. They don't really have a lot of choices inside their plans either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. Well, and I think we also do a terrible job in this country and always have a financial education anyway, anyway, you know, financial literacy. I mean, all the way back in high school, they just, you know, even they just don't teach a whole lot. Right. So then we go start working, we start putting money away for retirement and really the onus is on us to kind of figure this stuff out along the way. And for many people, we just, like you said, park and pray. So I mean, you even way. have like a great institution like Vanguard, right. Mm-hmm. But they're like, they're they. Hey, don't hire advisor. Just use our cheap funds and buy the index, and that's all you need right. to do. Although they like, did put out that study, Vanguard saying that they did find that uh, value, having a value yeah. in an advisor, yeah, up to sometimes our three percent or so. Yeah, so correct. Yeah, it's on, I referenced that and it's on my website. I pulled the study, but yeah, you know, just things that that are said out there is just like wow. I mean, you, you can do that when markets are crashing up, but mm-hmm. right. I mean, yeah, when you start adding like withdrawals and down markets and taxes change, all this stuff, It just doing the easiest path is not always the best. Well, okay. So what happens too, for a lot of people, when we're talking about risk and stuff is we feel like many people just feel there's only two places to put their money. If you were talking about parking at some place, many people feel like, okay, I can be in the bank or I can be in the market and that's it. Right. For whatever reason, that's the only two things they think they can do. So how do we go about, I guess, reducing risk at times of volatility or whatever, but also still giving us some opportunity for some growth? Right. I mean, especially with inflation being I mean, we're not going to get eight point six percent on many things right now, but we still want to try to have some sort of purchasing power going on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's alternative investments. So like occasionally we use like 12 month structured income notes. So there's rules to the money, but for instance, like that over the 12 months, it pays you a, like a 13% coupon mm-hmm. per month, like monthly. Um, so you're getting like that, you're getting that yield on your, whatever money's in there, but it also gives you like a 30% downside to whatever the S and P and the Dow do. So if the Dow only, if the Dow drops 20% over those next 12 months, you still get your principal back plus all your monthly yields you got. So there's a way to do wow. that. Yeah. Um, but if it ever drops more than 30, then you start eating losses. So there's, if you're looking for that type of like, how do I get protection mm-hmm. and some higher growth? Like that's, that's more where like alternative investments come in. Okay. But there are or stuff, right? So to my, to my oh, question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. I'm not like an anti-annuity guy. Um, and there are some, th- right? I don't, I don't think there's very many that are in the client's best interests um, and not many that are actually sold to people that are in their best interests. But there are some really good annuities out there that like right now you're not losing any money because of what the markets are doing. Yeah. Um, Insurance. And you're not, and you're not paying any fees or mm-hmm. any hidden costs, you know, that type of stuff. But, right. and if the markets do crash up 20%, you might only get five to 6% of it. So there's, there's other stuff out there that exists, but at the end of the day, like you kind of want to break down some numbers, like dividend investors are pretty happy this year because one, they have the, the the stocks, right, or the funds, but right. they're also using the dividends to buy low. So there's a, plenty of ways to reduce risk um, for op- like redu- looking for opportunities. Is I mean, dividend investing is like I think everybody should incorporate that to some degree because you always need to keep buying. So 
as a buyer, like if you're an investor, you're okay with buying at the top of the markets, but you're not okay buying when it's 30% down. Like I never understood that. They're like, oh, I'm going to wait for it to drop some more. But you weren't afraid to buy it when it was like 40% more <laughs> a, right, a year okay. ago. Yeah, right. I get you. Yeah. So you, it, that's kind of where I'm, I kind of struggle with that. So if you kind of incorporate some dividend investing, you keep buying every month. So, well, okay. So I guess you mentioned earlier, and we'll finish off with this then, uh, that a lot of people just don't understand like what, A, what kind of risk is it, right? And so, you know, how are you, you know, prepared to handle that? So how can we know what's some things for our, you know, financial risk that would be appropriate for us, right? I mean, obviously working with a professional, we're going to go through these pieces, but is it a matter of, of learning some of these types of risks or is it just truly as simple as sitting down and getting a plan together so that you can, you know, kind of be um, educated on the kinds of risk and then what is appropriate for you to, t- to be handling? Yeah. So one of the, like on the investment side, you kind of need to understand like standard deviation which is basically how far away from the the average rate of return can your re- actual total return fluctuate, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if a stock at, you know averages 9%, what's the actual standard how far away like what's the 99% chance how could we drop minus 25 and like a plus 40 like is that the deviation around that the the, the mean? So you definitely need to understand standard, standard deviation like that's the financial jargon number you really need to feel like how far can the my return in any given year fluctuate from the actual long-term return. As far as like financial risk, like something to keep in mind is just like tax diversification because financial risk is more than just investing. Like if you have all your money in tax deferred accounts, like 401ks right now, and you're pulling money out, you're you're selling more shares because you still have to pay uncle Sam and the state. Right. And right. you're down. Right. But, but financial risk, if you, you'd have less of a financial risk if you had some Roth money sitting there because you could spend that right now and you to get your income, but you wouldn't have to sell as much because you've already paid taxes on the money. Okay. All right. So that's kind of where like the planning comes in where when times aren't great, like how financially, what's the best way to get through it? Yeah, that's when the strategy, well, strategizing, right? So looking at it's, and, and I, I've been talking about things the last couple of weeks or last couple of podcasts with that DIY mentality because so many people have been doing that uh, over the last couple of years, growing money because the markets have been very favorable. But now that we're in these tumultuous times and so on and so forth, people start looking at an advisor. We talked about red flags on the prior podcast. It's just one of those things where you want to probably sit down with someone so that you can understand all the little hidden pieces and the nuances and how they play together. It's not just about having the right investments in your portfolio. It's about how all this stuff is going to interwork together as we get in, into or yeah. close to retirement. It's weird how easy it is to invest when the market's crashing up and everything's crashing up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then you get time tested here for the last six to seven months. And you're like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> maybe I don't know what I'm doing and I am taking away. And the problem is like they're, the mind, it's kicking in like for the 50-year-olds and 55s and yeah. maybe like the 60s because they're like, oh, well, I don't want to have to deal with this when I'm retired. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. That's another whole piece of risk, right? How much, you know, how much do you want to uh, watch all this stuff and, and deal with all this stuff when you're retired? You, hopefully you're just going to want to enjoy it. So therefore it's good, you know, to at least start talking with a professional to see some of the shortfalls you might be dealing with that even in your own knowledge gap, as well as whatever your portfolio might have. So that's some, uh, that's a risk taking conversation here this week on the podcast. As always, thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. 
Share the podcast with others who might benefit from the conversations that Kyle and I have as well, especially if you're already working with Kyle or whatever the case might be, or if not, you know, if you've come across this uh, on the web or whatever the deal is through a news blast or something like that, uh, again, consider subscribing on whatever platform you like to use. You can find all the information plus a lot more at mocanwealth.com. That's M-O-K-A-N wealth.com. This has been Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Kyle, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Glad you guys had a great 4th of July and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep, take care. We appreciate you here on the show. We'll catch you next time on Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Investment advisory services offered by duly registered individuals through Creative One Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor. Creative One Wealth LLC and Mocan Wealth Management are unaffiliated entities.